<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Fill her up! Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I am Dave Smith. He is Robbie the Fire Bernstein. We are back at you with a brand new episode. Lots to talk about. And of course, this weekend, we will be up in Albany, New York at the Funny Bone. Uh, Then coming up, uh, we'll be in Zanies in Chicago. A bunch of fun stuff coming up. Go to ComicDaveSmith.com if you want to find out where our next live performance is going to be. Come out and see us. A live stand-up show, a live Part of the Problem podcast. It's a lot of fun. And it's what we do all of this for, really. Really, it's just to get out there live and tell jokes to you good people. How are you, Rob? How's it going? I'm doing well. I like the the studio's looking good. You look like a Liberty Angel. I, I'm trying my best. Bit. Yeah, it's it's coming together uh, little by little. I do want to I'm going to forget the name of the company here. So let me just pull it up so I can give a shout out to uh, a fan of ours who made me this this awesome uh, wood piece um, behind us. It's a. Uh, American Pegasus at American Pegasus on on Twitter. Ryan is the guy who oh, made you the got sign me nervous for me. That you were going to say American Pegging Corp. I'd be like Dave. It's a family friendly Christian conservative show. That's but they're also a good company. But they didn't make me a sign. <laughs> American Pegasus did. Uh, but yeah, this, this guy Ryan, who's who's a great guy. He he's like a wood artist, and he made this for me and shipped it up to me. It was fucking really beautiful, really cool. The studio's coming together in the next couple weeks. We're gonna have Rob here in studio with me, and we're gonna start doing this. A bunch of changes coming to uh to part of the problem very excited to announce all the stuff we're going to be doing going forward in the next uh, uh few days you will get uh all of that announcement i think you're all going to be very happy about it so anyway let's get into today's show big news a, a kind of monumental thing uh that happened today it is official rob covid is over Ooh. and just like that at, as of today the uh, the national emergency for COVID nineteen was officially lifted. We are it's it's over. It's I can done. see my family again. You you can you can go outside. Wow. You can uh, you can go within six feet of another person. Talk I don't know. Mask. Listen, yeah, but I don't listen. This, this has been a very long fifteen days. Okay, <laughs> it's been a very very long fifteen days. Um, but yeah, as of today, this the national emergency, which started all of this insanity. Uh, and was, of course, declared by Donald Trump. Um, as of today, that is over. And it's even there's some other things that I want to talk about today, but it, it would seem to be impossible to start the show with anything else other than that. Um, there's so many things that are kind of like that are fascinating about it, that it kind of gives you an opportunity to reflect back over the last three years and two months or whatever exactly it is that that national emergency lasted uh, slightly more than 15 days. Um, what I guess the first thing that's just kind of hilarious about it is that for all normal people, this has been over for a long time. And it's just so ridiculous that coming in behind everybody else after they've already stopped everything, then the federal government goes, Oh, and uh, yeah, it's, 
it's over. We, we've decided it's over. And you're like, dude, we decided it was over a long time ago. Some of us decided it never started. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, any, any, I guess the other thing I'll say kind of on the meta analysis of it is that it is, there's always, and I, you know, I talk about this a little bit in my standup, um, but one of the really interesting things over the last few years has been every time they stop a policy, um, which I guess this isn't even technically like an actual policy that really was affecting people's lives. It's not like they stopped the mask mandate at your local, you know, library or whatever or something where like a place where you go and now you don't have to wear a mask or you don't have masks on planes or you don't have to have a vaccine to keep your job or you don't, you know, when the lockdowns were lifted or things like that. But every time they stop one of these policies, it's tremendously revealing about the whole nature of these things. Because it just leads one to go, it's like, oh, okay, so we stopped the emergency today. Well, why today? Why not last week? Would it have been any different? Would anything have been even slightly different if we had stopped it last week than today? And the obvious answer is no. There's not one COVID zealot, no matter how crazy, who could really look you in the eyes and argue that it had to be today rather than yesterday or last week. And then you go, what about a month ago? What about six months ago? And you start to realize that it's like, it's completely arbitrary. And that's what would happen with all of these things. Like as soon as they'd say like, uh, okay, that judge ruled down the uh, federal transportation mask mandate. So you didn't have to wear masks on planes anymore. All of a sudden, one day, the entirety of COVID were wearing masks on planes. One day they decide you don't have to anymore. And then you're like, oh, so was there a big uptick in, in cases or deaths? Did it result in something very bad happening? Well, then. I guess we didn't ever need to be doing this, right? Certainly it didn't. It's ridiculous. It, once you don't have to do it today, you realize it's very arbitrary that I had to do it yesterday. And this process is a big part of like what tears down the whole, you know, or what pulls the curtain back on this whole fake wizard. Like you're like, oh, we never needed to do this. This is all just so insane. So anyway, any, uh, any thoughts you have, Rob? I have a relevant tale. I once had, mm-hmm. I was driving back from the city late at night, and uh, I got an emergency broadcast over both my phone and radio at the same time, letting me know that there was a tornado in the war- in the area, and to seek shelter immediately. If you're in a mobile home, find a permanent thing. Like It was like a full emergency broadcast, and I'm driving on the highway, and I'm looking around. I'm like, do these other cars get this warning? Like, Should I be running into the woods right now? And then nobody reacted, so I just drove home, same as I always drive home. And I was like, why was there a casual emergency broadcast? Like, if there's going to be an emergency broadcast, it should be for an actual emergency. Otherwise, we have to live our lives like in, like, Animal House double secret probation territory, where emergency doesn't mean anything, so they have to go, no, this is an extreme, urgent emergency. I know (laughs) I told you guys that was an extreme, urgent emergency, but this one's a triple actual emergency of epic magnitudes it's like how do you have something that you're you're the government so you don't get to like have poetic language if something's an emergency it should just be an emergency and if it's not then you should probably end it immediately following it being an emergency because otherwise we got to live in this gray area of trying to interpret what like you know what i mean it's just nonsense like you're you're literally just showcasing the fact that it's nonsense while dictating that you're supposed to be in control and making the adult decisions yeah no absolutely it's it's uh i it's hard to almost like reflect back on what happened over these last 3 years and i know we've talked about this a lot um and in many ways i think we kind of uh you know being op- opponents of the covid regime is now like trendy it's well it's, I have it's, the times changed <laughs> well it's um but for me and you i mean it's it's like tied to us like this is a part of it, it's the probably the major thing nowadays that me and you have like this show that we do has become known for and we were one of like the i mean there's bigger podcasts out there than ours but we were one with like a sizable audience that was really on this the whole way through. And this is what a lot of people know, know us for. I've made a lot of like, um, re, you know, relationships and connections with other people who were big opponents of the COVID regime over this thing, this, this kind of uh, event that really upended 
every societal norm, every expectation of what the role of government is, every expectation about like interpersonal um, um, kind of customs and traditions. I just a very like it really was a a revolutionary time these last three years where things that you never could have imagined would have happened happened. The world was shaken up. People were profoundly changed, Um, some for the better, many more for the worse. Lives were destroyed. And this is a big thing, like how we kind of made a name for ourselves. This show grew a lot over the last three years. And a big part of it was that we were like these very loud voices opposing every inch of this. And so I know we've talked about this a lot, but as the national emergency ends, it's hard to not at least just look back over it and go, man, this now that it's over, you you kind of take another like you take stock in like, okay, so what did we get here? What did we just do for the last three years? And from all of the draconian policies, from the lockdowns um, to the all of the the mandates the mask mandates, the, um, you know, in in the most appalling places, particularly like schools and kindergartens and things like this, um, the vaccine mandates where just, you know, I, I mean, I don't know the exact number of how many people either lost, either their livelihoods were destroyed or they were coerced into getting this this jab that they didn't want to get, but it's in the millions, you know? Um, I don't know, you know, exactly how much, you know, like the total, it's probably hard to calculate between all of these policies, the total economic toll that, that it took, um, the vaccine passports where we actually for a while in the United States of America in, in 2000, you know, 22, uh, just, um, I guess, late 2021 into 2022, just kind of instituted this new apartheid system where one one huge category of Americans that was something in the ballpark at the time of like 40% of Americans were just, it was decided that they did not have equal protection under the law. They did not have the same basic rights that other people had. Um, it varied uh, in different areas of how, severe that was but it was it was a fucking crazy thing man it was it was a really crazy thing for me and you when we'd be like in new york city and you're like i can't go out to eat here i can't go to the knicks game i can't go like it's a really yeah i'm like i'm not saying it's the most important thing in the world and like i got on just fine not going to the restaurants and like some some of them were more uh you know into enforcing it than others but it was just something about it that you were like, yo, this is really nuts. This is really just something that felt like you, this feels like a story that my grandfather would have been telling me, not something that I would be living through. Like, oh, really? They just told you your kind ain't welcome here? Like, okay. Um, and I didn't, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you ever did or didn't. I never used like any of those fake vaccines. I had people giving me those fake vaccine cards, but there just felt like something dirty about it. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to like participate in this system. Um, But anyway, and for all of this, for all of this, what what did we get out of it? Just destruction, a a total reordering of, of society for the worse. And really, I guess the big one, the big accomplishment, um, if you could call it that, is the largest transfer of wealth from the people to the powerful in the history of the world. And, and of course, the terrifying precedent that all of these, these draconian policies could be implemented. Like, that's what we're left after these three years. It's like, okay, here's what you have to show for it. Um, I guess the the inflation, the the destruction of the currency, the tens of millions of people's lives who have been upended by this, the largest transfer of wealth in human history, and the fact that we've now set this precedent going forward that at least if you wanted to try to do any of this stuff again, it wouldn't be the first time. You could say, hey, there's precedent for this. People have accepted this before. It's been done before, and it wasn't legally challenged for the most part. A few mandates here and there were, but for the most part. Um, that's what that's what we have to show for this. It will be 
it will be gener- generations will feel the impact of the awful policy decisions over the last three years. And just as, as they end it, there's not even like really an attempt to give a rationale for why we should end it right now. Why a year ago or six months ago would have been reckless and crazy, but right now it's okay. No one's even attempting to say that. No one's even giving a reason. It's just like, yeah, we're going to do it. According, you know, even within the corporate press, it's not even like the number one story. And they're reporting on it, but it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, the Biden administration deserves to do, you know, they agreed to do this. They let it expire. Okay. You would just think for something so profound, something that had such like mean, so meaningfully impacted people's lives that there would always like every day there'd have to be a rationale for why we're going to continue this going. And yet there wasn't. It's just, oh, we're not in an emergency anymore. Emergency? When was the last time you actually thought to yourself that this COVID thing was an emergency? All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, a hand-painted portrait is easy to create. It fits almost any budget and is a great gift idea for those you love. Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait by a professional artist. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price, Upload photos to create anything you imagine. Put yourself in a location you've always wanted to go or add a lost loved one to a special occasion to create the portrait of your dreams. Your choice of artist, art, medium, oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal, and more. And a great selection of quality frames. This is such a cool gift idea. If you're looking for something to get your wife or get your mother or your grandmother or your dad, something that's really going to mean something to them, take like one of the most your like iconic family photos and get it turned into a beautiful portrait. You got to go check this out at Paint Your Life. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, for a limited time only, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word problem to 87204. That's problem to 87204. You just text the single word problem to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. One more time, text the word problem to 87204 to get 20% off. All right, let's get back into the show. If you remember last uh, Christmas, so it's uh, it's April now, so um, uh, f- four months ago, five months ago, and Chris, uh, this last Christmas, you, do you remember we, we talked about this on the show where Fauci was still telling people to like socially distance and make sure everyone at Christmas is COVID tested and that everybody's been, uh, has their latest booster or something like that. And you're just like, what? What? Like, you're, who is still doing this? And then the crazy thing is that you will still see the occasional person in a mask outside. You will still see some people who it's like, oh man, I guess like some people are really still doing this. But we live in a country now where you got to be compassionate of mental illness. So if you see someone who's wearing a mask, what you want to do is pretend like they should be wearing it. It's kind of like the gender thing. You just, you see people that have problems, but you just want to try, but you should put on a mask too, to be sensitive to the reality that they're trying to live in, that we should all be panicked. You almost want to like see that person in a mask and go, have you, have you tried gender reassignment surgery? (laughs) Like maybe that would just work. Maybe just like lose the mask. You know what I mean? Lose the mask. You could play permanent make-believe the mask thing. The emergency is technically over. So you're going to have to move on. Yeah. The trans emergency goes on forever. Yeah, it does seem cartoonish to just go, no more emergency, but you weren't doing anything to convey that there still was an emergency, and you're the guy that gets to decide, all right, we're not going to call it an emergency anymore. There's just, I don't know, I don't quite have the joke yet, but it's just, it's cartoonish to, like, Biden himself wasn't living like this was an emergency. Yeah. No, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's the fact that none of them were. Like, you're the government, you're on top of things, and you just continue to have this considered an emergency like you're the one that can just change that title right it's almost like if you declared an emergency 
over the rise of the Nazis, and then you ended it in 1951. And you're like, years. Well, 1945 is when the Nazis fell. So you're just like, you're just like, oh, it's over now. And you're like, but it's been over. (laughs) None of us have been living under this for like, what are you talking about? It's a yeah, it's just just very strange. And and like I, I said before, it's very, it's revealing in a way that it's like, oh, this this never really meant emergency. This just meant kind of like, well, this is we have to we're going to declare this thing so that we can get the policies we want done through it. But look, like I said, the real the real takeaway is like, what are we left with here? What did we get from all of this? And what we got was the absolute like the the destruction of our currency, the destruction of our economy, um, the you know destruction of of millions of small businesses, and in many ways just kind of the destruction of the the nation's mental health. And I don't mean to like talk in collectivist terms like that. Like obviously, mental health is an individual thing. Um, but there is kind of something about um, collective um, psychology, you know, like social psychology of, of a group. And there are times throughout history where you can look at little areas and pockets or sometimes entire big nations and go like, whoa, what the hell happened there? Like, did everyone just go crazy? You know, you go read about like the Salem witch trials and shit. And you're like, what the fuck was ever? Did everyone just lose their goddamn mind? They didn't have fireworks like, or burning women was like, that was the shit back then. Yeah. The no, July. I'm saying like, I, like I get it, but I'm just saying like, no, but you know, do you, you read about the stuff where they would have these tests where like, um, they would throw you with like, they, they would like weigh women down and then throw them into the water and they'd go, if they were a witch, they would float, but they'd always just die. And then you'd confirm that they weren't a witch, you know, but Not like a great test because now you're dead. Yeah. You'd think by like, I mean, how many of those tests would it take before you went, you know, we're killing a lot of innocent people here. I mean, like no one, no one really seems to be surviving this thing. And yet like they, there's a lot, you know, and of course, like you think about you like the rise of a whole bunch of just like crazy authoritarian regimes. And you're like, if you, if you study the history at all, it's like, you're like, what the fuck happened here? But did everyone lose their mind? And it's really hard to not look back at this time. And it's crazy how many people now um, who are actually pretty good on, on all of this insanity, but then you go back and see their tweets from like March and April and May and shit, and they were like cheering on the lockdowns. There's a lot of people like that. And I've generally operated under the rule of somewhere it's like, to me, I give you to like May slash June of 2020, you know, like it's, it's like there was no excuse beyond that. <laughs> I kind of feel like it. Th- but the truth is, many of us were much better on it much earlier on. And uh, by the way, I'm not even saying this to like trash people because there are some some people who are really good uh, on this ultimately and like they got fooled through like march april and then like in may they kind of like were like yo this is insane that we're still doing these lockdowns you said two weeks this is way over none of the data is adding up with this you're not looking at the cost benefit here and then they were really great the whole rest of the way through so i'm not even like trashing those people right like in the same sense that there are some people like uh who supported the war in Iraq, but then realized how bad that was and then have opposed every subsequent war and really passionately done so. And like, I okay, I'm not trying to pick that person out as an enemy, but it does, there is something interesting there to like pay attention to. That like, even so many of these people who are like good now, who are rational people, they just lost their freaking minds for like a few months and totally went along with this. And they did, you didn't have, now I understand we me and you had an advantage in this. We had an unfair advantage going in, which is that we're libertarians. So we're right about everything. Like that's, I get it. But particularly because we're libertarians, we have a, a particular aversion to state power and a, a, a um, kind of like a built-in skepticism of state power. And so right away when the government's like telling you we're locking everything down, your immediate default position is like, wait a minute, let's fucking really think about this or whatever at the, at the very least. 
And, and at the most, you're like, absolutely not. This is evil. Um, so we kind of had this advantage going in. But even for people who aren't, you know, like strict libertarians in the way that we are, you would think almost everyone has some conception of there would be, there is a place where there's government overreach. Like it, short of being like a, a straight up Stalinist or something like you'd agree that there's something that would be like crazy over the line for the government to try to legislate like, you know, um, and I mean, like the lockdowns crossed every single red line. And it's just, it's really something to sit back and study and like try to understand how there was this national mass psychosis, a global mass psychosis, I suppose, where so many people were just like willing to accept it and go, hey, they, well, they needed to do it, you know? I mean, I was talking to, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, it was like a, another parent of a, a kid, my, my little girl's age. And she was talking about how her, um, you know, it was something about a kid with a, who had like a speech delay during COVID and they were doing speech therapy and, but they were all, they were wearing masks at the time. And so it was completely useless. Help. Yeah. It's completely. And, you know, and, and this, this kid's mom just goes to me, you know, and I try not to make it political in these conversations with just let my kid have a normal life. Uh, but she goes, she's like, now look, I understand they had to do it. They had to do it, but it really did hurt these kids. And I'm just sitting there and you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So even there, even when you're in talking about a story where like children's development was was damaged, there's still just this acceptance of like, well, I mean, but we had to do it. And you're like, okay, go show me a study. Show me one study that said, I mean, I didn't say this, but you know, you're in my mind, I'm like, go show me one study that says that they had to do it. Because actually, no, they didn't. They didn't have to do it. They could have just taken the masks off. And you would think like, it's so funny with what COVID was, but particularly by this point, you know, she was talking about in 2021. You're like, you know, at that point, you were basically talking about getting a nasty cold. You'd almost think like if you were one of these people who was trying to help a child develop, that at some point you would just go, uh, okay, we're just going to take these masks off because this isn't going to work with a mask on. Obviously, that's the whole thing. <laughs> like you have to see my mouth. But that kid's uh, speech problems is going to be a testimony to his commitment to government for the rest of his life. That's a badge <laughs> right. of honor. That's like a tattoo of his, uh, you know, willingness to stand with government. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, what a wild ride the last three years have been. And of course, the, the after effects of this are not over. And that'll be what's interesting in the next chapter of, you know, national craziness is like what, how exactly this manifests itself next. And of course, we can already see in many areas where it's kind of beginning uh, to do that um, it, in lots of different ways. Obviously, we talk about a lot like the kind of climate change hysteria, which is has really ramped up in the wake of COVID. And also even, I think, um, the Ukraine hysteria. I think in general, it was um, it there, there was this constant theme throughout the COVID insanity um, which is a theme throughout the woke stuff, all the transgender stuff, the war in Ukraine. And, and, and it's this theme is something that all authoritarian regimes rely on. And it's really kind of like the main force that's destroying this country. And it's just this uh, this pattern of conformity where the people, the people who are in charge let you know what you think about this. And then you blindly follow. And there's a lot of different like kind of dynamics that it takes to make this work. One of them is really viciously demonizing anybody who steps out of line, uh, trying to make real consequences for people who dissent, whether that's fired from your job, banned on social media, just um, viciously attacked, mocked, ridiculed, any of that stuff. And you see this with all, all of these different issues where, where like that force is something that the uh, our rulers really rely on. That, like, you're going to get your marching orders and you will change your Twitter bio to have a Ukrainian flag in it. What? Could you tell me one thing about Ukraine before this day? No, you don't know anything. And he's all like, you know, like, if, when you would first see when, when Vladimir Putin first invaded and everyone was first putting the Ukraine flags in their bio, like, 
of the people who were doing that, what percentage of them could have told me anything about the last decade of Ukrainian history? Just the last decade. So, you know, you want to grab them. Like, what, what's, the Min, what's the Minsk agreement? Tell me. You know, grab one of them. They have no idea. Or nine out of ten at least have no idea. You know what I mean? And and if they know, they just know the official, you know, like, story. They don't know any of the real shit that happened. So it's like there's just a lot of that where all of a sudden people who knew nothing about epidemiology have a very strong opinion about epidemiology. The people who knew nothing about Ukraine have a very strong opinion about Ukraine. The people who know nothing about climate science have a very strong opinion about climate science. And it all happens to be the official narrative. Every single one of them is, is point by point the official narrative. And I, by the way, I'm not like, I'm a do your own research guy. I'm not saying you shouldn't have an opinion on these things. I'm just saying that people have an opinion without doing an ounce of homework, without even like reading a couple books on the subject that have, you know, like have a real strong opinion on something. And so that was like that, that force was really capitalized on over the last three years in a way that I've never seen before for anything in, in my life never seen anything like how much they were demonizing people it's it's easy to forget as we move on to the next thing but how much they were demonizing people for not wanting to get vaccinated or for questioning the vaccine stuff like you'd feel it personally in your life like if you interacted with people outside of your ideological bubble um and so the hope i guess is that at least because the failures were so obvious the hope is that that force was diminished not strengthened by all of this. And I am I am somewhat optimistic on that. I have seen a, like a fair amount of uh, what you would call like normies who have kind of been to some degree radicalized by the COVID stuff. Like, because even they go, yo, this is like insane. Um, uh, it's a mix of the COVID stuff and the trans kids stuff seems to be actually pushing some of the normie class into the dissenter class. I think that's a, in, to some degree, a positive uh, development. Not the, not that the actual policies are positive, but the waking up is. And then just wait till the same people are like, "Can I just have electricity again?" That seemed to work pretty good when I could just drive a car, have gas, my oven worked, I didn't need carbon credits. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's that'll be the next challenge that we uh, we deal with, Rob. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Moink, an unbelievable company that delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, pasteurized pork, chicken, sustainably wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and more straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and the result is that Moink meat tastes like it's supposed to because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms Stay financially independent too. Choose from a wide range of meats delivered in every box. Ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, and much more. You can cancel anytime. I, I'm excited. I just it's just uh where I live here in Jersey, it's just like the warm season is starting now. It's sunny and beautiful. I'm getting into barbecuing more and more, which I love to do. And now I've got a bunch of delicious meat to grill up there. Stuff that you know is good for you, you know comes from a family farm. It's not got all this crap that you find in the super market. Jamie Siminoff, the founder of the Ring Doorbell, jumped at the chance to invest in Moink, and you'll understand why once you taste it. You are going to love Moink. Go check them out, moinkbox.com slash problem. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash P-O-T-P. Moinkbox.com slash P-O-T-P. Keep American farming going by signing up right now. And listeners of this show will get free bacon in your first box. It's the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time only. Moinkbox.com. That's M-O-I-N-K-B-O-X.com slash P-O-T-P. Moinkbox.com slash P-O-T-P. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, so let, let's move on because there are a couple more topics that I want to hit um, on, on today's show. So one of the big ones is a major story, uh, that that's been going out. Um, that, that, that's been, I'd say been somewhat dominating the, uh, the, the news. So there, uh, there was a, a leak, a Pentagon, uh, leak of some sort, Rob, that, uh, was, was put out there online. Um, I guess it was, uh, um, what it, I think it was put out on some, uh, like discord, 
group first. Then it made its way over to 4chan. It was then going all over social media. Um, there, there seemed to be some uh, effort to suppress it on on social media. Uh, so it was a, a leak, a, a classified documents uh, that were um, relating to the war in Ukraine. Um, there's, it's, it's a. Uh, they were flying all around. Now, there's accusations that some of them were doctored. Um, and so you don't know exactly what you can or can't uh, trust in these things. I guess the big thing that uh, the Pentagon, as of now, is claiming is not accurate and was doctored. Um, who, who knows exactly? But it was the casualty numbers um, where the uh, I think the official what I'm trying to find the uh, the exact numbers right here. So this. um uh, th- there was a section titled Total um, Assessed Losses, and one of the documents listed sixteen to 17,000 Russian casualties. Um, but, of course, publicly, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Chiefs of Staff, has uh, he said as of last November that over 100,000 Russian soldiers had died. So this document was saying it was really much lower than that, 16 to 175 uh, a uh, thousand, not a hundred thousand. They are claiming that those numbers were doctored, and this isn't in the original documents. Make of that what you will. <laughs> Who knows exactly? The response, though, has been very interesting. We're going to uh, uh, play a clip from the Pentagon in a second. But anything on this story that you that jumped out at you, Rob? Yeah. Uh, first is I, I I was digging, even went all the way to four chan. I can't find the actual source materials on this one. I've only been able to see reporting on the source materials, yeah. uh, which the first thing they did was to get out ahead. They went, yeah, yeah, those the, the, the information's false. Now, they've been reporting on the materials, but I haven't been able to actually see the materials. So I don't really trust them on uh, what is or isn't there. Uh, but the biggest thing that seems to uh, hurt them is the claim that while they keep telling us that Ukraine's doing great, they're going to win the war, they just need more resources, uh, in private, they seem to openly acknowledge that the casualties are not what they're presenting to the general public. Uh, And some of the other key takeaways, one is we're trying to get arms from South Korea. It's like, how unprepared is our military, generally speaking, with all the money that we're spending that we don't even have, uh, uh, you know, we don't even have munitions to get to these people. Like that just kind of seems like a pretty shocking piece of information. Then they love yelling about, oh, look, we're spying on, yeah, we spy on everyone. Like, I don't understand this game that we play where they go, oh, this is shocking. Israel, America's spying on Israel and say, yeah, everyone's spying on everybody. And like the fact that we play this dumb game where we try and pretend like everyone's outraged that they're being spied upon or that you're spying on them. Everyone spies on everyone. So just grow up. We can just drop that one. Especially like since like Snowden and like stuff like that, you're, you're just like, yeah, it's a, this wasn't really very shocking to find out that we're spying on all of our allies as well as our adversaries. And yeah, of course, that's that's what we're doing. And I'm sure they're attempting to do that to us as well. So, yeah, I, that that part to me just wasn't like there there wasn't that much red meat uh, on the bone. Um, but it is interesting. And I think this is uh, this is a, a dynamic that we've we've been talking about for quite a while on this show where. Look, as always with government policies, particularly when it comes to war, there's always kind of like the public uh, official declarations and then there's what they're saying to each other privately and what they actually know. And the story that they've been trying to tell of like how incredibly well Ukraine is doing, how much Vladimir Putin is just getting destroyed has always seemed to be a little bit out of step with reality. Um now, I, I do. It does seem to me that uh, Vladimir Putin did not run through Ukraine in the same way that like m- many people probably thought he would have. But uh, it certainly seems like whether these casualty numbers coming out are accurate or not, uh, or whether the official ones are accurate, I, I really don't know. Um, it does seem that privately they are much more concerned about Ukraine's performance than they seem to be letting on publicly. And that would kind of explain why the need for um, ever-increasing aid packages uh, along with guarantees that we will be with them all the way are necessary rather than anyone else ever coming out and being like, they're just going to need this one more package and that's it. It's always them saying, and then we'll give you more and more and more, and then Zelensky's always asking for more and more and more, and that actually paints quite a different picture. Anyway, here was uh, the Pentagon's uh, official liar, 
was was out uh, talking about it. So let's check in on him. Again, without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. It has no business, if you don't mind me saying, uh, on the pages of uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on, on television. It is not intended for public uh, consumption, and, and it should not be out there. Again, without confirming the... Okay, so... <laughs> what a child... What a, what a statement on so many levels without confirming the validity, Rob. I will tell you that this shouldn't be in the public domain. So if it's true, it shouldn't be out in the public domain because it's it's classified. And if it's not true, it shouldn't be out in the public domain because it's false misinformation or whatever. It's just like, okay, but like you're not telling us why it shouldn't be out there. You're just saying it's one of these two things. And I don't think it should be out there. Now, that already is is laughable because, of course, if they're like, let's take either side, right? Like if it's true, if this is really classified information and this is all, let's say, accurate, then why the hell should the American people not have the right to know that actually the war isn't going very well? Why shouldn't they have the right to know that actually, you know, it's like, look, Ukraine is not a part of the United States of America. Ukraine's not even a part of NATO. The American taxpayer is under no legal obligation to finance this proxy war of choice on Russia's border. And yet our politicians are trying to convince us that we must. So, yeah, wouldn't you think we had a right to know if the case, if it was the case that actually Russia isn't taking losses in the way that you say, and actually the investment that you've made has not yielded results other than to alienate uh, uh, countries around the world from us and, you know, prolong this awful war. seems like something we'd have a right to know. And if it's not true, if this isn't true, like let's say these documents were completely doctored and all fake, well, then you have no case to tell anyone anything because this isn't a breach of classified documents. So you're in no legal position to tell anyone that they can't publish stuff. You know what I mean? And then it is crossing quite a line um, to say, which has been for a very long time, this has been um, basically like established like legal theory. And there are Supreme Court rulings on the matter uh, since at least the war in Vietnam that you, the essentially what they would say is that the government has a right to classify material and they have a right to punish people who has who have access to that classified material who leak it, but they do not have a right to tell journalists that they can't publish it once they have it, because that would be a violation of the First Amendment. And so it's just pretty blatant how we're now just crossing that line, and uh, Kirby at least is, and saying, no, no newspaper should be uh, publishing this. Uh, just to be clear, um, this would mean like, the um, the Pentagon Papers, the Afghanistan Papers, all of these things would be you, you would be saying journalists can't publish this. If we ever find out that the government is doing something that the American people don't know about, that's nefarious. Journalists uh, like what should not this shouldn't be out in the public view because, well, he won't tell you because why we won't even tell you if this is real or not. And certainly and, and certainly um, he's un- he feels he's under no obligation to then tell you his rationale for why this shouldn't be out in the public. Just that. But he won't confirm or deny the validity of it. Of course, Zelensky went uh, in a different direction, and he said uh, he, he gave that this has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation was Zelensky's response to this. I guess I, we can take some solace in the fact that our government felt like they didn't even want to play that hand again. <laughs> God, we can't. We've said this so many times, man. This is going to sound really bad if we say this again. But anyway, so that's uh, that's where we're at on that story. Any any final thoughts, Rob? I just uh, Kirby's statements are so childish. It's already out. It's leaked to go. I, but don't look at it. It's kind of like when uh, nude celebrity photos leak and like don't. It's already out. Like you got to kind of deal with it. Like it sucks. You're right. We probably shouldn't. It's like if I don't know if a helicopter blew up and money fell into all of our yards and. The, the guy at the bank's like, we're going to need everyone to bring that money back in. Yeah, I guess some people, you might have some nice old grannies, but guess it's out. You, you better start making the adjustments. Yeah, Follow really. the insurance policy. <laughs> I agree with you on that. All right, so uh, the the last thing I want to uh, 
talk about before we get out of here. It's kind of on a similar theme. Um, was that John oh, Stewart? Wait, I do have oh, one other thing. Oh, sure, sure, on, sure. Go ahead. Which was a little bit surprising. There's a couple elements to this that's really surprising. One, I don't know how me Google searching, going on Telegram, going on 4chan, I can't find the original information. So all yeah, these I couldn't find it either. Very hard. Just same with you. Just found reporting on it. Yeah, a, so, few, a few still photos, but I didn't even know if that were, they were accurate or not. And some of the reporting on it's better than like Zero Hedge had elements that they were saying was there that no one else reported was there. So like some people, so somehow the journalists, I guess, have access to all of it that they're reporting about what's there. But I haven't seen a single counterfactual story on this one or any of the original materials. That's weird. The other part of this that's weird is uh, I wouldn't think that something could exist on Discord or Telegram or social media for a period of time without the government knowing about it. I just think that they would have enough control over the Internet that if someone's producing leaked documents about the Pentagon, even on private servers, I would just think that that would somehow get flagged. And it wasn't even made clear how long this was circulating on private channels before the media picked it up. So there's just, I don't know, both sides of like the Internet censorship here just seems to be a little bit screwy that... It both existed on private channels for a period of time without the government knowing, and then once the story became known, it seems to have completely disappeared, where even if you're looking for it, you can't find it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, that is an interesting uh, aspect to all of this. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Fast Growing Trees. You gotta go check this out. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help me ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24 seven. I love this company. I'm actually very excited to order some plants from fast growing trees. Now that I got a big property, you realize it makes such a big difference to kind of richen up your yard, just make it look cool and classy to just have a couple really nice plants there. The stuff that's right, you know, it's going to look good. And I don't know much about this, so this company is great for me because they just show me how to do it. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash P-O-T-P. That's where you got to go. You'll get 15% off your entire order right now through October 15th. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash P-O-T-P. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash P-O-T-P. All right, let's get back into the show. Um, Okay, so John Stewart uh was uh in a video that went super viral uh the other day which was really great it was nice to see john stewart back in the position of being someone i can be rooting for for um, a period however brief um but so he had the uh deputy uh, the deputy defense secretary on his program let's just jump right into it and and break this down a little bit because it was glorious are these, do you feel like these are unfair questions of, of somebody within a department of that size and scope? I do, think do you feel you, that, I that, think it's, that it's somewhat I think unfair? you have an, a particular thing you really want to talk about and you're asking me other questions, but I don't think it's unfair to ask me about the audit. It's absolutely the case that the United right. States military should be able to pass an audit and we've got to be on that pathway to get there. But don't you think that that does speak to the larger point that we're trying to get at, which is good journalism uncovers corruption and okay i mean good journalism doesn't cover corruption but i'm not sure these two things are linked an audit is not but they are okay so you need to explain to me do you understand what an audit does and the degree to which it is linked to the question that you're asking i believe so okay go ahead give me give me your your explanation Uh, no i i I don't mind learning so what what i (laughs) let's pause it already for a second it's unbelievable. I don't know what this woman expected going into this, you know, this interview with John Stewart. I think maybe she just expected he's kind of one of us. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to. But how she's immediately. So he just starts asking about how the Pentagon has failed, I believe, five audits. Um, and she's immediately defensive and kind of like condescending to him. Like, do you even know what an audit is? Do you even understand what you're saying? And it's like. By the way, this woman is the uh, defense deputy secretary. She's the number two. 
at the defense uh, department. This is a very, she's very high up and is a completely, it just right away shows you kind of like the nature of where things are, where this, you know, the supposed servants of the people or whatever that just get a, like, they're kind of like the, the nerve you have. That's my lesser would be even asking me about these things that he can't possibly understand. You can't possibly understand what an audit of the Pentagon is. So what, and, and she's snippy. Her snippy tone with him is really something. Anyway, that was just my first kind of takeaway of it. Uh, all right, let's keep, let's keep playing. That uh, the audit that they have in, in the military doesn't really look at um, whether or not there's efficacy. It's just whether they got delivered the thing that they ordered. And that is that is any audit. That is any audit. That is true. But generally, those audits aren't four hundred billion dollars for Raytheon and one point seven trillion dollars for a plane that doesn't seem to be doing like there is a lot of waste, fraud and abuse within a system. Audits and waste, is, fraud and abuse are not the same thing. So let's uh, decompose these. Please educate for a me on. on sure. What so the, an audit is exactly what you just described, yes. which is do I know what was delivered to which place? Right. The ability to pass an audit or in a, the fact that the DOD has not passed an audit is not suggestive of waste, fraud and abuse. That is completely false right there. So. So what is now it is a question of it's suggestive that we can't we don't have an accurate inventory that we can pull up of what we have where. That is not the same as saying we can't do that because waste, fraud and abuse has occurred. So in my world. Yeah. That's waste. How is that waste? If I give you a billion dollars and you can't tell me what happened to it. That to me is wasteful. That that means you well, are not responsible. <laughs> but if you can't tell me where it went, then what am I supposed to think? And when there has been all right, so let's let's pause it right there because it's really a it, she's being a stickler as if he's somehow wrong. But the rationale that she's hanging on to, she's trying to win this argument. I'm like the the weakest technicality. That I, yeah, I mean, look, basically what failing an audit means is we can't tell you where the money went. We can't account for the money that we have. So, yeah, technically you could say that like, well, you don't know that the money's wasted. It might have been spent on really good things. We're just telling you we also don't know the money was wasted. You know, like we're just telling you we have no idea. Like that's so it's so funny to be like, oh, that doesn't prove waste. That doesn't prove fraud. Just maybe the money was going to completely non-fraudulent, you know, things, or maybe it wasn't being wasted at all. Now, of course, it does mean that you can't tell us it's not being wasted because you don't know. Right? That's that's what you're telling us is that you can't account for the money. So technically, on some on some grasping at straws technicality, she is right. You know what I mean? That it's like yes, no, that's not exactly what it confirms. But of course, like what an argument to be making. Now, I would argue on abuse that I, I would say, yes, that is abuse. It is abuse to rob the American people of $800 billion a year and not even be able to tell them where it's going. But again, now we're just getting into technicalities. The point is that it's insane. And it is certainly the most fertile ground for waste and fraud and abuse, and certainly a clear indicator of appalling corruption. Like the idea that there's trillions of dollars that are completely unaccounted for. Who could justify that? Like what person in any realm of anything could justify trillions of dollars being spent on things that you don't, that are completely unaccounted for? I, I, we don't know where they are. We can't tell you. I've I've handled uh, and not been in charge, but I guess been on teams uh, uh, involved in payment processing. Mm -hmm. And when you do an audit and by an audit, I just mean you're kind of looking things over on an account or something and something's off by a dollar. What that means is you've done the work wrong and there's probably a bigger problem. Right. And so yeah. I'm not even I'm talking about on small scale, just payments of, oh, we're off by wait a second. If it doesn't work out like perfectly, then that means you've there's a problem there. And so especially, yeah, I mean, if your entire system, like, I guess the system is, hey, we've bought things. We're not even going to argue about whether or not it was a good idea to buy those things or whether or not that much money should be going here. But we're just going to see if the things were even purchased. And then you look in and you go, oh, well, nope, the math's completely wrong. And none of this is accounted for. 
But I mean, that would be indicative of a bigger problem to look at a failed audit and go, yeah, but all of that missing money might have just gone to good places magically. It might have. That doesn't make sense. The entire point is if it was delegated for something and we can't actually ascertain that it went to the place that it was delegated for, then we have failed. Yes. In what world do you get to live in where you just assume that the failure, well, it probably went to the right place. Well, right. and, it and, didn't and, because you can't account for it. If you could account for it, it would have gone to the right place. And so this is what I mean. If you're grasping at the technicality, like, yes, technically speaking, if you don't know where the money went, then you don't know it didn't go to a really good place. Like, oh, okay, but it is completely unreasonable to say that if you fail an audit, your default position should be to assume that all the money went to the right place well, I would say rather than to assume that there could be some corruption afoot here. If you can't track that it went to the right place, then by definition, it went to the wrong place. So there is no yeah. default of, oh, it might have gone somewhere good. If you're doing a fight, if you're a business and I've delegated money that it's supposed to go to a specific person and it ended up in the charity bucket, that's not good. That money went to the wrong yes. place. I still owe that money to a supplier, to a business contract. I guess it's nice that charity got some money, but guess what? I got to figure out where that shortfall on the budget is because I can't call someone up and go, hey, I can't pay for that delivery because the money that was supposed to you went to the charity bucket. So I got to actually say the claim is just false. The idea yeah. is you got to track everything that you're doing as a business. And if you can't track everything that you're doing, you're doing it wrong. And if it and anything that's off means it's off and wrong. There is well, can no. Can you just imagine? And, and you've worked um, pretty closely on uh, uh, Skankfest uh, before as a performer, and also on like the the back end of it. And like, so Skankfest is a big uh, comedy festival that we have. I, I don't know exactly what the budget is offhand, but it's in the it's in the six figures. Uh, let's say. And could you just imagine? And this would be a much small, obviously much smaller amount and much smaller percentage. But let's just say at, at the end of like, um, you know, the Skankfest being prepared, this this comedy festival, like a three day festival in Las Vegas this September Go check it out. Um, you just found out there's one hundred thousand dollars missing. One hundred thousand dollars of the budget, whether it's sponsor money or ticket money that you just isn't accounted for. We don't know where it went. I mean, you could say ah, maybe it all went to where it was supposed to go. And it's, but like, no, you'd be like, no, there's a huge problem. Because we don't know. Did someone just pocket this money and walk off with it? Like, did it not? Did it get wasted? Was it lost on the bus? Where the hell did this money go? Like, and now this we're talking about trillions of dollars. So about eight hundred plus billion dollars a year, where it was something like sixty percent of it couldn't be accounted for. This is just so insane. There's just no defense there. But then to condescendingly be like, I don't even think you know the difference between an audit and waste, fraud, and abuse. God. It's like you are presiding over the defense department that is failing its fifth audit and you're still looking down at somebody else and she's not even right about the point she's making. All right, let's keep playing. I mean, why do audits? If audits are in no way indicative of waste, fraud, and abuse, I guess we're just, even if you fail an audit, we're just clarifying that you did good things with your money. Right, so. right. All right, let's keep playing. This is not, look, I'm not, I'm not saying this is on you and that you caused this, but I think it's, it's a tough argument to I'm make sure that <laughs> an, an $850 billion budget to an organization that can't pass an audit and tell you where that money went. Like, I think most people would consider that somewhere in the realm of waste, fraud, or abuse because they would wonder why that money isn't well accounted for. And especially when they see food insecurity on military bases and they see. You want to talk about that? Because that's a good. We should be talking. I mean, well, I'm trying all, to understand is, where, where, where you're trying to go other than the dollars, which really well, bother you. <laughs> I think it doesn't really bother me. <sighs> it's all connected. OK, I think tell when me, I tell look, me that story, tell, tell me how you're thinking well, about that. Well, when I see uh, a State Department get uh, a certain amount of money and a military budget be 10 times that. And I see a struggle within government to get people like more basic services. And then that uh, department that got that. I mean, we got out of 20 years of war and the Pentagon got a 50 billion dollar raise like that's shocking to me. Now, I may not understand exactly the ins and outs and, yeah. and the incredible uh, magic of an audit. <laughs> but I'm a human being who lives on the earth and can't figure out 
how $850 billion to a department means that the rank and file still have to be on food stamps. Like, to me, that's fucking corruption. I'm sorry. And if, like, if that blows your mind, and if you think, like, that's, like, a crazy agenda for me to have, I really think that that's institutional thinking and that it's not looking at the day-to-day -day reality of the people that you call the greatest fighting force in the world. So I just, again, I get back to this idea of like, I'm not looking to pick a fight with you, but I am surprised at that the reaction to these questions are, you don't know what an audit is, bucko. Like, <laughs> that's just weird to me. Okay. On uh, food insecurity, uh, major priority for us. A lot of funds are going toward that. The biggest. <laughs> Come on, pause it right there. Alicia goes, a lot of funds are going toward that. You go, well, you can't tell us exactly how much now, can you? Because you can't pass a freaking audit. So we don't really know how much funds are going there or what percentage of your total funds are going there. But of course, that John Stewart's point is like, so getting right at the heart of something there that really matters. And, you know, I mean, he's doing it in a nice way where he's saying, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you, even though he is. I, John Stewart, on the other hand, am trying to pick a fight. Um, but yeah, look, man, we, you're telling me we've, the, the point he made right there, okay, we end a 20-year-long war, the, the Defense Department budget goes up. Explain that. we got tens of thousands of soldiers who have committed suicide in the last 20 years, Where's where's the money going for them? You get eight hundred and fifty billion dollars a year, and you can't account for it. Like there's real people who you're like failing within your your uh, institution, and you're sitting here like um, annoyed that someone will even bring up these questions that you once have to get asked about them, and then she's gonna just ramble on. I mean, here, let's hear, it. let's listen to what her her response to any of this is. And uh, first of all, we have significantly increased funding on, on food insecurity. Um, and we do think we are getting much better on that. Um, we believe some of the challenges we face are not what you, uh, you know, often think of as, you know, food insecurity as hunger. They're really around, uh, do we have food available? For instance, as people come on and off shifts, mm -hmm. is it healthy food? Um, those are the types of food insecurity issues we are seeing in and around our military installations. We have increased pay two times in a row here. We've done 4.6% pay raise last year. We've asked for 5.2% pay raise this year. We've also increased basic um, allowances and increased housing. Uh, Let's pause it for a second there. Because, so she's increased pay. They they asked for a four point. They got a 4.7% increase, and then they asked for a 5.2% increase on the the next year. So just know, Rob, still losing to inflation. Still, still losing pay, actually. If you just, just strictly measuring the price inflation, you're still losing if you get a 4.7% pay raise, but whatever, I guess that's something to feel good about. So don't worry about the trillions of dollars because, you know, your, your buddy who went and fought in Iraq, he'll, he'll only be making slightly less next year than he did this year. Isn't that they really wonderful? only have one play, which is uh, they find out one of the elements that you're annoyed about and they go, well, I'm even more bothered by that than you are, which is why we've acknowledged the problem and we're improving on it and we're committed to solving it. Oh, yeah, and you're, it's, and it's you're always upset that like, people are dying. I care even more about the deaths. Right. And it's why... always this thing where, where you paint like a grand picture of like this total corruption. And then you go and look at this corruption. And then there's like several things down here in the list. And they like pick one of them. And they're like, well, I actually championed the policy to improve that one thing and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, but you're not you're not even kind of addressing like the, the like what major reform needs to happen so that you guys can pass a freaking audit. It's just so insane. All right, let's let's play the rest of this and then we'll wrap up in a sec. So overall, we definitely think we need to increase the spending that we are putting forward toward our service members and their families. We're putting our money where our mouth is. Another big area is child care. Mm -hmm. Spending a lot more money on child care. That includes both child care facilities and it includes um, uh, uh, a benefit that allows folks to go out on the economy to get child care and have that subsidized by the government. Mm -hmm. Those are all examples of ways we're trying to put money forward for our service members and their families. 
All right. So what a nonsense, non-answer all of that was. It's, here's what's great about it, too, is that like, so, and, and this is where I think John Stewart has a real blind spot, as most uh, progressives do. But so here you have, what is the one thing she can brag about? They're like, well, we're looking for an increase in our budget. So you're asking <laughs> That's for actually more her money. response. Yeah. All of this. We like it. Well, we just like an increase in our budget and then we'll throw some of that money at all these problems that you're talking about. That's a, literally that's her answer. That's her response to what this started with is that, yeah, well, you know, I think we should pay them a little bit more. They should get more money for childcare, more money for food and stuff like that. You know, so we just we're trying to get more money for all of them. Although the point, of course, immediate uh, originally was that you've already you've got the highest budget of anything in the world. I mean, maybe the entitlement programs or something like that. But yeah, you'll be hard to find anyone who's got a bigger budget than the U.S. Defense Department, the biggest uh, military budget in the history of the world. And you're you're sitting here. We're going and you failed multiple audits. There's trillions of dollars that you can't account for. And meanwhile, while you have this humongous budget and you can't account for all of these things, the rank and file people are like not doing very well. That's something like 30,000 soldiers who have blown their own brains out. And that's only the ones who took it to that extreme level. Let's not talk about how many are just like living miserable lives. Uh, hundreds of thousands, you know. And uh, so you're like, hey, that's a problem. And they're like, uh, well, don't worry. We, we want some more money. That's that's the response that you get. Also, you're an idiot. You don't really understand this stuff. But just give us more money. How? Because uh, I would think that the audits would be designed to pass. How flagrant is their bookkeeping that they're failing the audits? Like, are they missing it by a mile? Yes. This- I, I don't know. So the, the first uh, part of your question, I really don't know because I agree with you. They'd probably be designed so that they can pass them. And that's how bad it must be. I don't know exactly. But I know they're missing it by a mile. It was right. something, at least in one of the audits, it was 60% of their budget they couldn't account for. That's- There's been like five audits that they've that they've failed. But I know yeah, that in one of them, it was 60% of their budget they couldn't yeah, account it's pretty for. Only- I'm surprised that the top staff doesn't get fired every... Because I would think that they would design the audits the same way that... Uh, Hillary Clinton got to go intelligence officials, which is just a very good way of, you know, appealing to authority and hiding your ass. So I would think if anything, they would just pass the audits to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. We, they, the government yes. audits us every year and we pass our audits. Well, when it's, you can't, it's, yeah, when you don't well, even have like that said, level look, of just oh. using the, well, where'd you go? Uh, just using the example of our little comedy festival. I can promise you if a hundred thousand dollars was missing from the skank fest budget, uh, for for this next festival, artists I can are promise being you, paid, and I'm being fired. Yes, I can promise you two things. Number one, people will be fired, and number two, there would be a radical new system in place the following year to make sure that no money was going unaccounted for. I don't even think you'd have That's the name not, anymore. That's the honest truth because too many people would not get paid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know the back end finances. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm I, talking I, here. Yeah, fine. But I'm just saying there would be major changes if something like that were to happen and there'd people be would be fired. I, I would get I'd be the one hung. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite public, yeah, there'd be an apology made and a public <laughs> hanging. <laughs> <laughs> and yet with it. But that that's a government program for you. No, here's the here's the real answer. We need more money. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this show. Come check us out this weekend in Albany, everybody. Looking forward to that, the Albany Funny Bone. And then the next stop is uh, Zanies in Chicago, comicdavesmith.com for all those tickets. Uh, RobbieTheFire.com, at RobbieTheFire on Twitter. And Run Your Mouth is Rob's other podcast. Go check that out. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here, Rob? Uh, Weekly show, Cafe Bohemia. Other than that, Summer Port Store coming up. April 14th, I'm going to start responding to emails and uh, putting it together. Actually not, April 16th, that's Sunday. So uh, if you haven't gotten your applications in, there's still time. If you didn't hear back from me, it's because I'm lazy and I'm waiting till that Sunday. There you go. You'll hear. Just wait. Be patient, <laughs> as I tell my kids. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you next time. Peace. Peace.